at the end of the day, though, it's just not going to stress Nigerians. You know, like they're saying everybody must from July. July. Everybody has to come and line up right now to submit their numbers. I will not submit it. I'm saying it on the show. I will not submit my IMEI number. I won't submit it. Rubbish. Welcome to episode 11 of Reactions. My name is Mr. Sal. Joining me today are my very good friends, Mr. Henry Okwa. Thank you for having and me. And Mr. Houston Wanchiku. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. How are you guys doing? Mr. Houston, how far? How have you been? Uh, I'll be good. I'll be good until yesterday when I had I developed a little waist problem. And I lost <laughs> my waist. Waist? Yeah, I was hurting me seriously from, from the back. Okay. I don't know. Somebody told me it was actually one of the symptoms of COVID-19, but... Oh. I think... I've not heard that one before. I think, I think hmm. I'm... Hey, yeah, waist, waist pain. I don't know. Lower waist pain. I didn't say lower waist pain. I said waist pain. Waist Then your waist is lower now. Like Waist pain, joint pains. Like... Yeah. Who told you it's COVID? Well, it's online, it's everywhere. COVID symptom. Yeah, but did, you check Google, for did you check Google for your symptoms? Go for test. I'm actually very healthy right now. I breathe, at least I'm, I'm breathing properly. So Please, I'm not scared also. We're not, we're not social distancing. Yeah, so. Well, I'm yeah, socially distant from distance. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm fine, thank you. Fine. Hmm? Just fine, thank you. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm battling with this cold, but I'm, okay. I'm good. I'm ready for. Ready yeah, for you're, you're having hot tea today. Yeah, hmm? not having what Houston is having. Okay. What's, what's Houston having? What's Houston having? Houston, you can tell them what you're having. <laughs> what's Houston having? It's you guys are not serious, so oh, please. I can bring the empty wherever we're having, <laughs> wherever we're having is nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, my own week has been, um, I don't know, we lost a close family friend, oh, you know, sorry, so, sorry. yeah. Sorry. We've been suffering a lot of deaths, you oh. know. I was talking to one of my friends yesterday and we're saying like most of our parents uh, age mates are not really even past 60, yeah. you know, and we're like, we don't know what's wrong with their generation. Yeah, there are a lot of them that I know have died and this one died of cancer, oh, you know, sorry. so yeah, so it's been heavy, but we're here to work today. So let's get um, straight to our issues for today. But before we go on there, please, um, Subscribe to Page 36 TV on YouTube. Like this video, share, please comment and uh, support us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So. You were talking about liking, sorry, subscribing it. Henry was pointing there. I remember last week, you actually, I think you put it somewhere around there. I don't know where you put that thing. Like, I don't know where that subscribe is. Please. No, subscribe button is there, yes. That's the one from Facebook because we have more views on our Facebook okay. and stuff. So please okay. go to our YouTube and click subscribe and yes. notification. Like yeah. that bell button. Like, share, and like. All right, let's get to business for today. So, a radio broadcaster, broadcaster, and human rights advocate, Ahmed Issa commonly called ordinary president. Do you guys know this guy? Yeah. I listen to uh, his. I don't, I don't know him anyway. So they say he's a host of a popular show called Brecketer Family Radio Show 
that deals with um, human rights abuses in Abuja. So he was caught on camera physically assaulting a lady who allegedly poured kerosene on a little child and threatened to set the child on fire, claiming the child was a witch. So um, in the video on Sarah TV on YouTube, Ordinary President, as he is popularly called, could be seen slapping the lady after interrogating her and not getting the answers he wanted. He later issued an apology statement after facing backlash from the public on the social media. He has, however, not been arrested by the police till today. I've not heard about his arrest. Um, so part of his apology statement reads, um, so he said, I apologize to everybody that I have offended in one way or the other. Please, I am a human being. I am bound to make mistakes. I was triggered by the zeal and passion in me. As a human being, even computers tend to malfunction. There is blood flowing in my veins. I tend to get emotional sometimes. So he goes on to say, whenever I do anything out of control, on the basis of emotions, I always apologize when I realize it and correct the mistakes. For those disappointed in me, please forgive me. For those I have offended, please find a place in your heart to forgive me. I am only but a human being. I know some people will say that there is nobody that sent him to do human rights work, forgetting that government organizations that are supposed to get justice for ordinary Nigerians are not doing their work. I do not know how this will sound to you all. I, do not, I, I did not consult with anyone, but by the 1st of May, next, which is next month, we will stop the program. This is me. Um, since the program is their problem. This is me. Oh, first of May. So that's June. Yeah, so he says from, from, from the first of next month, which is June. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, so he says he's going to stop the program since um, he says the program is their problem. Did you see the video, Henry? Yes, did you I guys did. see the video? I did. Yeah, I please. Saw the video. Um, what what did you think about the whole incident that happened, Henry Kwa, if you want to go first? So um I I, I was watching how Nigerians reacted on social media. Okay. I think I think we are we are becoming more aware and it, it showed in this video, you know. Aware of what Many, you say we're becoming more yeah, aware. Yeah, that's 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 where I'm going to okay. now. Ahmed Mus uh, Ahmed Issa's reaction. Mm in the in the discussion online you could see that people were trying to make the difference between the work that he has been doing mm. and this low moment mm. for him you understand now i am so completely short, the, is that the first time he has you, you say you follow a show well, this, this is, is the first time he has physically assaulted oh yeah, somebody this is the first time i've ever seen it right. or heard of it All now right. i mean uh, what what ordinary president does mm. sal cannot we can't do without what he does and mm. honestly i'm very very serious we can't do without what he does because for some of us we can approach the uh, security institutions, we can approach the judiciary and get some form of respite for whatever losses we may have incurred. Mm. There are people who are down there at the bottom of it all. Ahmed Issa is their, their saving grace. You understand? Mm. There are families where the wife has been beaten close to death and it is the Brekete show that gets that woman some form of justice. 
You understand? There are people who have lost their gratuity, lost everything. In fact, you see stories of people who ha have been oppressed by one other person because that person has access to the police mm. to arrest them or something. There was a woman, I think, some months ago that arrested a whole family, including mm. the children. The police actually went there, picked the husband, picked the wife, picked the children and locked them up. Wow. Because one person that has money. You understand? Mm. So when that thing came on the show, I was happy to see that, yes, they brought, they, they removed that person, they, they released that family, petitioned the, the person. So I think what, what he's doing, I, I hope he doesn't stop the show. I honestly hope he doesn't stop the show. Mm. Another thing I want to point out here is that, isn't this rare for somebody to come out and unequivocally apologize for his actions in public? someone in the public space normally the reaction that the response we get from people who are in public light is eh, i'm here nobody can ask me to do anything nobody can correct me nobody can you know criticize me but i think honorary president is being exemplary here if our, more of our leaders could honestly admit that they've done wrong in certain things and ask for ask for forgiveness i think i think we'll be in a better place <laughs> of course i i condemn his slapping I saw the build up to it, you know, in that video. You could tell that the people who were around him were telling the others, shift, shift, shift. He wants to do something. You understand? So yeah, I they were asking the camera to go. Exactly. Well, I, felt it was, I felt it was mm. premeditated. So it wasn't something that just, you know, yeah, happened like that. It was like, I'm done with you. I'm done with mm. you. And, and the then, slap you know, went off. But do you think, you know, you've spoken so highly of him. You know, I don't really know him like that. Mm. But do you think he deserves any punishment at all? Should he be yeah, punished? Yeah, I think I think if we use him as an example, mm. whatever the law says should happen to him. If we do that, I think more people, especially the, his own audience, will understand that you cannot set a child on fire and walk away scot free. Do you understand? Now, mm. I'm using that incident which he, he was re reacting yeah. to. Mm -hmm. Now, when they see that the person they run to for soccer is not above the law i think they will think twice you get mm. so based on that yes he should be punished his apology is fantastic we are happy that he has apologized but let the law let the law actually take its course i saw the nbc also invited him okay. they said they're inviting him to come and explain what uh, what happened why, so did the police, like, why did the police not get involved though i don't understand who, like the police did not arrest him this is assault Nigerian yeah, yeah that's mm. the, his own regulator. Mm -hmm. No, I think I think what Ahmed Isai is saying at the end of this statement mm. is, um, I do not know how this will sound to you all. I did not consult with anyone, but mm -hmm. my first by by the first of next month, mm -hmm. we will stop the program since the program is their problem. Do you understand? Who is dear here? Now, in the course of his work, yeah. Isa has called a lot of government mm. officials to respond to things that they would normally... You hear police collected money from a family, 500 and something thousand naira, they've not seen who they are looking for, and blah, blah, blah. And he will follow everything down. Families mm. that have lost lands, families that have been uh, um, was displaced without compensation and whatnot. He's, he's actually fighting for the ordinary man. You understand? Yeah. So, I so think... So, you think those big people want to use this opportunity to ground him right now? Yes. Those people I, that he fights I, I suspect that that's what he's... he's, um, he's referring hmm. to here so mr Histe, uh what's your take on on this the entire video that you watched first of all um, i'd like psychology to as well first of all i'd like to commend amedisa <clears throat> i like to commend him for his person and for how well he's been able to run this show because um in the past we've had human rights activists who had human rights lawyers mm -hmm. and all that that's are like not easily accessible and in this time we have one i think he's the greatest of our time because we have one that's easily accessible. 
we all know where human rights um, radio station is. You can always go there and you will see him in person. And mm -hmm. Amedisa is somebody who has fought for the people, like he has literally fought for the people. He's done so much. I don't know how he's human for crying out loud. We're all, we're all humans. And secondly, we're Africans, we're Nigerians as well. There's nobody in this studio right now, and there's nobody in this, um, or there are very few Nigerians who say they've never been spanked in their life. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. And I understand that being spanked by your parents is completely different from being spanked by a random stranger. But that may be in this situation, in this particular um, case, wasn't really a random stranger. The case was actually brought to him. And it wasn't brought to him for him to reprimand that girl with his, by, by slapping her. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you understand what really happened, sometimes we don't, we, we're unable to control our emotions. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not just an emotion. Sometimes we, it comes, it stems from a particular place. This was a small girl. Mm. Nobody, like, nobody, everybody seemed to have forgotten everything. Like, everyone seems to have forgotten all the good that Ahmed Issa has done because of one good he did by slapping one somebody. One good. Mm. I call it one good. Because, okay. look, that's a child we're talking about. There's so much going on in this country with regards to violence. People are dying every day. People are being killed. And yet, we call Buari, Buari, Buari. With, with the whole thing, what, what, what that girl played out there with that little child. Yeah. Doesn't it tell you that every Nigerian has a little bit of Buari in them? I, I yes, because if you call Buhari, if you, if you say Buhari is, yeah. because everybody, see Buhari is on the lips of every Nigerian right now. Buhari, 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 Buhari. You think Buhari is actually the problem? Look and at this. This is somebody, this is somebody who, this is, I guess, <laughs> thank you. This is, this is, this is not even, this is somebody that's not even attained political power. Mm. What if that lady had somehow, she was able, like, Providence smiled at her and she's able to chair something tomorrow. If she, at her, at her age, at that position, she's been able to pour kerosene on top of a child, tie the child and then set the child's, the child's hair on fire, what do you think that person would do if she was in a power of, in, sorry, in a position of power? Yeah. Do you understand? Okay, now, um, I don't understand. You said NBC called him. Is it because there is the, the, the regulatory, regulatory body? Yeah, the ref, the ref, yeah. media. Okay, okay. Yeah. But then when Elisha Abu, a senator, slapped somebody, nobody did anything about it. Yeah, but NBC didn't happen. No, that, that was not NBC's jurisdiction. It wasn't NBC's jurisdiction. The Senate, no. the Senate actually attempted because to Because he's on a show, he's on a radio show like yeah. on that NBC. Man, everybody seems to be calling out this yeah, man right they now. They can't just be calling NBC. The police See, is the one that is supposed to step in in any Senate, of the cases Senator, anyway. Senator Elisha yeah. Abo had not done a single thing that we... See, I saw Elisha Abo's video campaigning with can with can, can cook. He was, he was giving people can cooks. That, that was what he campaigned with. I don't know what that man has done for the people of Adamawa State, mm -hmm. where he comes from, but he came into a sex store in, in Abuja here and slapped somebody and it was on camera. Nobody did anything about it. So, uh, and Mr. Houston, I'm, I'm coming. that nobody did anything about it. I'm, I'm not saying too wrong to make it right. Okay. No, it's that's not okay. To get to it is not okay. Yeah. It is not okay. See, you bring something to someone. Do you understand? Um, our people say, River. They swallow person, river, they swallow person. Now who? The river seeing leg, now you they swallow. Mm. Until you take yourself to the river. So they brought the case to him for crying out loud. If that's his style, it's his style. People have done worse no, in this no, country no, for crying out loud. No. Listen, listen. No, we cannot. Listen. We cannot. We're not going to sit listen. down there and they, 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 I'm not, they, I'm not advocating, I'm not advocating. No one their procedures to go. Um, you know? so, so yeah. if somebody comes into your house right now nah. for judgment, listen, mm -hmm. if somebody comes, Somebody, people have been, people in the north, in northern Nigeria, people have been condemned to death for blasphemy, for crying out loud. Is it right? Yeah, but that's the Is that against human rights? That's their law, though, the Sharia law there. Okay, it's under the yes, Sharia law. Laws that now, we have to and now, I'm not advocating yeah. for, I'm not advocating, I'm not advocating 
um, what's it called? Violence. Because, because at the end of the day, we cannot ignore the Elisha, laws of the country. Sorry, and not Elisha. I'm, I'm, I'm not advocating um, mm-hmm. violence because um, ordinary Ahmed Issa has already apologized. Okay. I'm not going to go against that. But what I'm trying to tell you is, I think we are, we are, they say if you want to kill a dog, you give it a bad name. That's what everybody seems to be doing to him right now. And it's wrong. Like, it's, it's absolutely wrong. He has apologized. He should be forgiven. He shouldn't be punished by my standards. I don't think he should be punished. Why? Because he has come outside to apologize to everybody, every concerned citizen. So once you do something bad in Nigeria, you come out and apologize, then you should be forgiven. Because I've seen in other societies, people do wrongs, they apologize, they still resign, or they face whatever punishment. It's an apology supposed to clean whatever wrong. I think if anything, I think if anything, if if anything should, if anything is to happen to um 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 ordinary Medisa right now with regards to punishing him and the rest. I think the lady herself should be in charge of that. She should either press charges if she wants to. It's not for you, it's not for me. I'm a decide is a human rights activist. Majority of the people who are speaking against what he did are not even human rights activists. What have you done for Nigeria, for human rights in Nigeria, for you to come out and say, Elisha, Ab- uh, sorry, I keep calling this Elisha. Ab- yeah. um, what's his name? I'm a ordinary I'm a decide, should be punished. Let the girl take it, let, let her take it up. If she has any case against him, let her take it up. Just like right. a case will be taken up against her too. So, All right, Heroqua, yes, you know, um, Going off on of of um Houston's point right now, we have this culture in Nigeria. Yeah, we don't we don't easily term it as domestic violence or domestic abuse, but there's a culture where we domestically violate each other. Mm-hmm. You know, be it physical assault or or sec- let's leave the sexual one. This physical assault one, you know, you have house helps you tend to beat them you know you even have grown-up ones that are not even kids you know we have this habit where we use our hands on people you know and it has become a norm are we supposed to accept this thing as just normal is it a normal thing even if we have we have accepted it as as a norm because i understand some people might not even know that this is wrong i had a friend one time i was walking somewhere in the hotel and the manager slapped him you know and i was like hey are you not going to do anything about it him he felt like if he did anything about it he would lose his job you know so what can we do about this culture like where we have this habit of hitting people with our hands yeah i i think i think uh, you're very right it's yeah. endemic it's in very rare cases that you'd find that somebody does that and you find like the person who has been assaulted will mm. even go ahead and exactly. take take this person, mm. bring charges against this person and whatnot. I remember being in university and seeing a lecturer slapping one of my colleagues, and the wow. guy dialed the lecturer right back. You know, sure both of them were removed. <laughs> that's who that's who was Both of them were removed wow. from from the exam hall, and at wow. the end of the day, the lecturer got suspended. The student uh, came back and completed his papers and oh, stuff. You know, wow. now. <clears throat> I think before before we continue this conversation about mm-hmm. uh, domestic violence and stuff, we need to understand that Nigerians have a low, what do they call, how do I put it now? Their, their view of themselves is not as high as it should be. The, whether it is the system, whether it is, whether it is the culture, mm-hmm. you are in a vehicle, mm-hmm. somebody who probably has two, th- two or three strands of public um, transport now, two or three strands of grey hair, expects that you will stand up, you who got to the bus before him, yeah, will stand up for him to sit. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from all of these things, all mm-hmm. of these dynamics, you know. Um, what's his name? Malcolm Gladwell in his book, The Outliers, explained what this does in the long run for societies. You understand? Mm-hmm. Societies that are, is it 
not not just subservient, but have this whole master master servant mm. kind of balance. Mentality, it doesn't yeah. help. Rich it doesn't poor. help. Yeah, because mm. when you get to critical moments, the person who you have abused may be in a position to say, "This thing you are doing is wrong." Go. He will mm. not be able to speak up. Mm. He will not be able to speak up. And both of you can perish. Can perish as a result. Imagine a driver whose ogre slaps him on a daily basis. The ogre will now say, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in a hurry. Follow so, so, and so, please. He probably knows that that place is not safe, but he cannot open his mouth and talk. Yeah. What happens when they go down that road? Mm. You get so I think this, this whole dynamic, we will need to revisit it. But from yeah. the family level, mm. we need to start doing away with it. We exactly. need to start doing yeah. Children are human beings as well. Um, domestic uh, aids are human beings. We should treat yeah. each other with some level of We need need to respect each other. Yeah. We can correct each other without even kids. You can correct kids without just being... You're right. Too, you, too, might, you just reminded me of out. the time yeah. where Wadi Shinika sat down on somebody's... Uh-huh. I remember that one aircraft. as well. Yeah, I was expecting... Yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. I was ex- and people were like... Well, funny enough, Wadi Shinika actually knew he was wrong and mm-hmm. stood up. But was other older Nigerians that felt like... Him. Why, why would that Why would the young boy do that kind of thing? Me, Don't you know what Asian guys? For crying out loud, I know what Asian guys. But please let me start off my seat. I will talk. You know my que- my que- my my question to people like that is: Where has this thing gotten us to? Yeah. Look at it. They say you must be respectful. You must be this. You must be that. Look at the societies where people are able to stand up to power and talk back to power and say, "No, what you're doing is wrong." Mm-hmm. Look at how advanced they are. Yeah. Look at where we are. Yeah. And this thing has seeped into every aspect of our lives. It's happening in church. It's mm-hmm. happening in school. It's happening at the work at the workplace. Why would I look at my my contemporary? my colleague in the office and want to feel like no I'm supposed to be under his yeah. and, and, and I feel the old people sometimes they use that thing to blackmail young yes. people mm-hmm. and tell you, I don't fall for that you, blackmail at all they, tell you, they know they are clearly wrong they want to play that age they tell you I'm, I'm yeah. older than you and I'm mm-hmm. older than you forever yeah. so when would I ever become a senior when would I continue to be dying? your mother you're talking please. to me like this so like sorry, this thing's yeah, not sorry, work please, I want to use this opportunity to say if if ordinary medicine is to be punished Fine, but please, it has to be done by the person, by the victim, not any other person. It has to be done by the victim. But it depends, though. If it's a criminal assault, the state can take it up. You know, so if she wants to sue civilly, yeah. I doubt anything will come out from this anyway. Bottom line, at the end of the day, we can forgive him. You know, you guys have spoken so highly of him. He has apologized for lunch really on his own. Yeah. You know, I think we can pardon him, but we should not endorse this behavior. Yeah. We have condemned okay. the behavior. I think we can move on. You know, at least other people can learn from this. Why are you smiling? Hopefully. I'm smiling because you condemned the behavior. I did, did condemn it. Oh, yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. Please, we did Let's con- move we on. condemn that action. All right, let's move on. We don't have time today, yeah. So on Wednesday night, the Attorney General of the Federation and Minister of Justice, Abubakar Malami, in a one-on-one interview on Channel Television's Politics Today, compared the ban on open grazing by the Southern State Governors in their region with Northern Governors banning spare parts trading in the North. Nothing, um, totally condemning the move um, by the Southern State Governors and declaring it unconstitutional. Um, this is what he said. I'm just going to read the quote from him. So he said, um, it is about um, constitutionality within the context of freedoms enshrined in our constitution. Can you deny a right of a Nigerian? He was asking. So it is as good as saying maybe the Northern governors coming together to say that they prohibit spare parts trading in the North. Does it hold water? Does it hold water for a Northern governor to come and state expressly that he now prohibits spare parts trading in the North? 
If you're talking about constitutionally guaranteed right, the better approach to it is perhaps go back and ensure that the constitution is amended. The freedom and liberty of movement, among others, is established by the constitution. If by an inch you want to um, have any compromise, the better approach is to go back to the National Assembly for open grazing to be prohibited. So, uh, before I get a reaction from you guys, I'm just going to read what uh, the section of the Constitution that guarantees our rights of freedom of movement. The section says that every citizen of Nigeria, it doesn't say katu, doesn't say sheep, it doesn't say foreigners, doesn't say foreigners. Mm. You know, they talk about um, Fulani headsmen. Yeah. Even the government has come out sometimes to allude that they're foreigners. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't say foreigners. Mm -hmm. So the section says that every citizen of Nigeria is entitled to move freely throughout Nigeria and to reside in any part thereof. And no citizen of Nigeria shall be expelled from Nigeria or removed uh, or refused entry thereby or exit therefrom. So, did you guys watch this channel's interview? Yeah. Let me just put it out there, yeah? Like, page 36, we're the first to put this out there from channels, you Yay. know? So, the other people put it yesterday on... on, on <laughs> it, no, when? I think yesterday. I was watching on Wednesday night. Yes. Yeah. Other people yesterday. put it yesterday. I was watching on Wednesday night, and I really... When he said that part, I ran with that part to put that out there. You know, so... Henry Kwa. What do you think about what the HEF is saying here? Comparing the ban on um, open grazing in the south by the southern governors, saying that it doesn't hold water, it is unconstitutional. Giving an example to back his argument to say, uh, to what if the northern governors come out right now to ban pepper trading in, in, the, in the north, referring to the Eagles? So, so honestly speaking, I'm tired of talking about Buhari, Malami. No, it's not Buhari, please. No, it is. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. Because um, on so many issues yeah. where rights of Nigerians have been abused mm. systemically, the government has not said anything. The moment we are saying we don't want cows entering our hospitals again, the federal government has been activated. Do you understand? Now, for a an officer, in I think he's you know he's actually in line, he's in the succession line. Ah, for president. Yes, in the absence of certain key officers, he's the person that takes over. Now look at the caliber of person that you have in office that is telling, sounding the war drums to the northern governors. A senior advocate of Nigeria, man. Like I watched him and I was like, she's serious. He's yeah. telling the northern governors that this is how to react. That's mm. what he's saying. Do you understand? If the southern yeah. governors have sat down and said, listen, we don't want cows in hospitals anymore. We don't want cows roaming around freely. What are you saying in hospitals? You didn't see that video? I saw the video. Exactly. Though, but... So, no, but if that, no, if that doesn't make you want to stop open grazing, I don't know what else should. Wow. Imagine if that, it's like, that, that's technically a China shop where that boom got yeah. into. Supposing something puts that cow off. 
in that place where people are in their hospital beds, what do you think will happen to them? They like to chop and spray. Chop the stack. I saw that thing. I could not. I'm like, is this Nigeria? It you is guys Nigeria. Serious? You understand now? And I saw a human being inside. That's why I'm like, this is a hospital for human beings. You're not understanding. It was a human being that was holding the camera, following the cow. Ah. See. So human beings were actually there. It's not like the cow entered and CCTV caught it. No. <laughs> now I think Madame is shameful, shameless. Sorry. And he has shown that in the presidency, when they talk about South, they think Igbo. That's what he thinks. Mm. Listen, is it? Let me let me let me read his quote straight up. Yeah. Um. His. So it is about constitutionality within the context of the freedoms enshrined in our constitution. Mm-hmm. Can you deny the right of a Nigerian? No, you can't deny the right of a mm-hmm. Nigerian. Yeah. However, it is as good as saying maybe the governors, the northern governors coming together to say that they prohibit pepper trading in the north. Does it hold water? Does it hold water for a northern governor to come and state expressly that he now prohibits pepper? So how do you put something that has taken the lives of so many people mm-hmm. that you have not been able for once say you've arrested so-so-and-so people mm-hmm. who were responsible for so-so-and-so killings? Let's not forget Agatu, Kaduna, several, several cases in Kaduna, Ondo, Oyo, all over the country. You understand all over the country this thing has become a menace how can you be the last person to see it how can how can you be the last person you get so and and, and before bandage in the southwest the south the, the people of the southwest were not calling for secession it's until they started this whole entire nonsense and it just baffles me that they don't even see the the the, the importance of these lives that are being wasted, be it being raped or being killed. Like you're not considering that at all. Like you're just going all out to defend your brotherhood, in my opinion. Hmm. Mr. Houston, Um, what did you think about this um, AGF's um, comment? Um, Dragging it to the constitution and trying to back it with the constitution. Now, um, first of all, you know very well, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sorry about what I'm about to say, but then um, about a about an arbitrarily written military constitution. I I, I do not endorse the constitution. Yeah. I happen to abide in Nigeria. So I, might, I happen to live in Nigeria. So I might have to abide by the constitution, but it doesn't necessarily mean I uphold the constitution. Because I mean, by my standards, it's an, it's an arbitrarily written military constitution. But then the constitution also makes provisions for citizens to protect themselves, right? Okay, if the, if the constitution makes provisions for citizens to protect themselves, I think the head of former conflict has only become imperative, has only become a national issue of concern to government officials since the citizens have decided to start protecting themselves. Yeah. It is only it, all along when people were dying, just like, he, just like Henry rightly said, since all the time people were dying, it was not a national issue. But now that people have decided to start protecting themselves, it has become a national issue. I think it's unintelligent for Malani, the Attorney General of the Federation, to compare something that takes life from people to something that actually gives life to, gives life to people. So how do you compare spare parts dealing that gives life to people to, to um, what's it called? Aggressively walk, going into people's farms and destroying their property and taking life from people. Like how do you compare these two things? So it's quite un- unintelligent. I'm sorry, sir, you might be a son, but then I'm seeing things at the grassroots. You're somewhere in a, cooling, a cool AC room chilling, so you probably don't understand what the people's plights are. Mm. People are dying. People have been dying for so long. 
These people, these people, they, they walk into people's farm, and when you tell them, see, you're spoiling my crop, this is how I feed. I don't carry cows around. I don't, I don't, I don't hear, I'm not a pastoralist. You are a pastoralist. Why don't you move her, take it somewhere else, leave my farm? And you know the funny thing? Before the call for, um, the, before the, the call for a ban, or before the ban on grazing in the south, people weren't even saying, don't, don't move around with your cows. People are always saying, avoid people's property, avoid people's farms. We eat our crops, you eat your cows, you drink their milk, mind your business, stay, stay here. But it was a problem still for these people. And then the government didn't do anything about it. Now the people are saying, we're going to have to start protecting ourselves. And the government is now saying it's a problem. And how do you compare it? Like, there's no, I can't till this point, I can't see the nexus between something that gives life to people and something that takes life from people. How do you compare spare parts dealing? Now, I'm not even going into the tribalistic aspect because See, I'm done talking about that. This is something they've been doing for long. When they hear South, they hear Igbo. When they hear South, they refer to the Igbo. It doesn't really concern me. But what I'm talking about right now is how do you compare taking your cows, forcefully stepping in people's, on people's crops, into people's houses, people's homes, hospitals, as Henry rightly said, scaring people away, crossing our roads in the capital nation, of, the capital city of the nation, scaring people. How do you compare that with somebody peacefully paying for his own shop to sell his wares mm. that you will still buy? That you no. still tax it. Yeah, that and you will still tax. tax. Because somebody said these Igbo traders or Spepa traders, they pay taxes. Okay, okay, let's keep These the other people don't pay taxes. Let's keep the ballistics here now. Yeah. You said, um, Malami, you said um, people how if the northern governors, because I understand you are typically calling for northern governors to ban spe- selling of spare parts, but trust me, I know the evil the evil man will still will still survive however you do it. This is not the first time. Um if you say you want to ban selling of um, spare parts. Spare parts. This is not the first thing the Igbo people trade trading that that they, in the north that you've actually put a ban on. There are some states in the north where they don't sell alcohol, and Igbo people make this. Are, this are some people's mainstay. These are some people's economic mainstay. These are some people's livelihood. You you come in there with your hisba police, scatter their break their alcohols that like, that they pay tax from, break everything. When they build hotels, you say they are prostituting. They are encouraging prostitution and all that. Which recently one Hizba police officer was even caught in a hotel with a lady and he's been he's been kicked out. So anyway, that's a different thing for the lady. But I'm trying to say these are people's businesses. This is not the first time that the North has actually had to put a ban on a southern a southern business, a typical southern business in the north. Mm. Now they're saying, and these things are not even harmful to your people, but you consider them harmful. Okay, now we've seen something, one thing, one business has been um run by the north in the south and it's harmful to the people, and they're saying no more. Now I want to really talk to the Métis Allah people now, the people who actually have cattle that move around to cattle. Have they ever sat down to overhaul <coughs> overhaul people's um, or their leaders, like this, their political leaders, the Métis Allah I'm, talking, I'm, I'm referring to now, have they ever sat down to overhaul how much care these people have for them or how much consideration their political leaders actually have for them? Because I've never seen where somebody like Malami, who is in capacity of, um, what's it called? Well, who can actually do this? Who has the capacity to do, to do this? Think of carrying, say, three or four or five or a million Miti, Miti Allah representatives, carrying them to Friesland Campina in the Netherlands to see how they make pig milk, mm-hmm. how they use, like, take them to see ultra-modern day- dairies and how milk is being processed and how meat is actually being processed. I've never seen any Northern leader who has said, come, this thing, this a cake style of carrying cows around, it's actually bad. I can teach you how to industrialize this thing. I can teach you how to make an industry out of this thing. Let me take you to Friesland Campina in 
Netherlands, or let me take you to Nestle in um, Switzerland and show you how these people process this thing in the 21st century. You don't necessarily have to take your cows all the way from Sokoto down to Lagos. This is, this is endangering your life. You shouldn't even do this. Come and do this. I've never seen them do this. Instead, they, they come out and they say, no, it is wrong. No, it is wrong. Like, if the South bans grazing, the Mieti Allah people will come after the politicians. Like, I mean, your leaders, Mieti Allah, your leaders, your political leaders, the people in power do not even have your interest at heart. They do not even help you. Yeah, because why are they sleeping in the bush? Why are you sleeping in the bush for crying out loud? Why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't I expect people like Malami to make intelligent advocacy for their people? Like, our people sleep in the bush. Yeah. They don't even say things like that. Our people are threatened by wild animals and all but that. They will defend and say if they, they will come out and say that they like it. Instead, they will come out and say, you do not stop. offer those people better lives, they will not accept For crying out loud. It is only in the north. Yeah. It is, see, let me tell you, I'm a Portacot guy and I know one thing in Portacot. If we call an Ogama, if we call an Oga, if we call somebody Oga today, we don't expect you, we don't expect you to, we don't expect to call you Oga tomorrow. If we call you Oga today, it's because we want some other person to call us Oga tomorrow. It's, 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 it's a progression. We don't want to say, oh God, oh God, we want the answer yes, sir, for, for life. We don't want that. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to call somebody your God today because you make our lives better and we'll become our God tomorrow. It's only the not I've seen where somebody is, yes, sir, today, yes, sir, tomorrow, yes, sir, forever. Mm-hmm. Their leaders do not help them at all. Yeah, you're coming out to tell us that it is wrong to ban open grazing for cows. How about, okay, discussing with the southern governors and saying, we, we northern leaders are going to purchase lands in your, in your states for these people. They are not even talking about that. All they're saying is allow our people to roam freely. Let our people enter your hospitals. Let them enter your classrooms. Let them chase students out of classrooms in another yes, states. Because that, that brings me to this point. Oh, because they just banned open grazing. They didn't say leave, you know, but the way the northern governors or the northerners or these AGF are taking it right now is like, oh, they asked them to leave the state. They said, do not roam around with your cows anymore because no, you are. No, what they said. What they said? They said cows should not roam around eating grass. That's what they said now. That's what open grazing means. Yes, open grazing means open But do you want. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to these cows. Yeah, but I'm saying, why is there an issue? That's where, where I'm going to right now. They have not asked you guys to go. Like, they didn't say go. But this act, stop this act, do option B. Purchase lands. You, you know, purchase lands. Keep your cows here. Remain here even. They didn't say go. Like, remain here, but don't operate this way again. Yeah. Operate like this. Why is it a problem? I don't know. What's, what's the big deal here? What's the issue? You know, there's, there's, this, yeah. thing called, there's this thing called delusion of grandeur in, in philosophy. Delusion of grandeur is when a particular group of people feel superior. They feel like they are better or they are stronger. It's a thing. Like, it's called delusion, which is actually like, um, it's a false, it's a farce, it's a false lie or something. Sorry, it's a lie. Like, I'm false. It's already false. It's a false ideology of yourself. That's how you perceive yourself. You see yourself as more important than some other person. Mm. This is why I, some episodes back, I said, one of the biggest problems we have in Nigeria is mutual respect. Mm. There's no respect for each other. Some people think they're a lot more important than the other people, so they can actually do what they want. I think it is going to be a very big problem still if a southern senator comes up one day and says, I want to move a bill for the betterment of the lives of cattle rarers in Nigeria. I'm telling you, it's going to be a bill. It's, sorry, it's going to be a big problem. If you say you want to actually move a bill for them, for their lives to be better in the sense that you don't want them going to the bushes to risk their lives. You don't want them taking their cows indiscriminately on the street, on the roads, major roads and all that. You don't want this to happen. It's going to be a problem still. And they are, they are not understanding when their leaders, their political leaders come out and say things like, um, make it look like they're actually fighting for them. Mm-hmm. 
they don't understand that these people do not have their interest at heart. Anybody who has your interest at heart will by now in 2021 realize that it is also risk you're risking yourself. Wait, they keep talking about cattle rustling. Mm. If your cattle were in one place, would they rustle your cattle? If you keep your phone inside your house, will anybody come inside and steal your phone? Exactly. It's when you take your phone, you're walking around and you, you run, you go to some very bad areas. That's why yeah. people see you and they try to do this. Now, there's one more thing I need to talk about. Yeah. Malami is saying yeah, the sure. proper way shouldn't be governors coming together and saying and, and putting a ban on open grazing in the south. They should pass it through the National Assembly, the rubber stamp National Assembly, the same National Assembly that is inside Malami's pocket. Please, I beg. I even beg. That, you even, understand even, that even that argument has been invalidated. Like well, SAN, um, 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 Michael Zekomer spoke out and said the freedom, okay. the freedom of movement. You know that they talked about in Section Forty One only apply to human beings human and, beings and not animals. Not animals. So other SANs are speaking out. You know, to if they want, they should give all their cow certificates. Certificates yeah. in in America before you move dog from one state to another, you, you need to get a license. Dogs even have visas. They, they have passports. So what are you saying? All right, um, let's, animals, let's move on, please. man. Um, so the Senate on Wednesday considered a bill that seeks to prohibit the payment and receipt of ransoms for the release of any kidnapped person imprisoned or any person kidnapped, imprisoned or wrongfully confined. According to the bill, Nigerians who pay ransom to kidnappers and kidnappers who receive ransom risk 15 years imprisonment. The Terrorism Prevention Amendment Bill 2021 scaled through second reading during plenary and is sponsored by Senator Ezenwa Francis Onyewuchi. Why are you laughing? There's Ezenwa now. Onyewuchi. Ezenwa. Yeah. Okay, I'm not evil. Yeah, defending the bill, he argued that um, kidnapping has become a fast and lucrative business in Nigeria and must be stopped by all means. This is what he said in a uh, quote. History has shown that even where ransom is proven to have been paid, the life or safe return of a kidnapped victim may not be guaranteed. The continuous payment of ransom must not be encouraged. Erika, do you agree with this? Um, I sent you guys a video. I wanted you guys to watch that video just to have something to argue with this. So there was a video this week of a lady that was kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not banned. This has nothing to do with bandits or whatever. It's no more kidnap yeah. for ritual, whatever, you know. So they, they kidnapped this lady. She was narrating how she entered the vehicle, suffocated her. She appeared in the forest tied. You know, and she was kidnapped with other people. Those who could not provide money, to cut the long story short, were killed. They were not just killed, they had allergies. Allegedly, according to her, they were calling the kidnappers to request for body parts and they were pricing them on the phone. She only survived because her family could get this money and pay. You know, so when I saw this, I felt like that was very interesting because this has nothing to do with banditry or whatever right now. There's, there, there, there are other kidnappings that are going on right now and he's right by saying that kidnapping is a, is a booming business right now. I've heard they started kidnapping in Lagos, like people are hungry, you know, but is this the solution? By placing 15 years imprisonment on those that pay the ransom to release their family members. Because when this lady was narrating a story, Nowhere did they talk about going to the police. 
Yeah, because police have thought was ruled out in the whole equation. Like they didn't think, oh, these people are going to help us in any way. What the family had to do was to go and figure out how they're going to get their money. And they could rescue their, their relative, their loved one. Yes, what do you think about this bill? Um, I, think, I think it's just busybody, basically. Mm -hmm. In another time, in another place, it may make sense to prohibit paying ransom. Whatever it is our laws say, your, your law is only as strong as the enabling environment for mm. it to be uh, uh, enforced, you understand? Now, security is in shambles. Security is in shambles. We understand that the, the kidnapping business has been on for a while. Yeah. It has been on for a very long time, you understand? But, <coughs> excuse me. But you can't tell people that after rescuing your loved one, you come and stay in prison for 15 years. Yes, it's just dull. It's just dull. <laughs> I think, I think um, Senator, what's his name? Onye Onye Uchi. Uchi. He's probably looking for something that they would say uh, he sponsored something, something, something. I yeah. tried to look for what and what he had said before now. Really and how he, had, how he had been useful in this night assembly. There's nothing I can find. So I think this is just his own, what, five minutes, five seconds of fame. So. Yeah, but even if you, you're looking for something to, like, can't you think intelligently? Don't you have brains to think about a solution that will probably make sense in the ears of, of people? And I think it's such a wrong time for you to even bring up something like this, you know? Uh, firstly, Houston. For, for, firstly, I'd like to say, I'd like to ask, mm -hmm. so far with all the, since 2000, and, say six, seven, since kidnapping became a thing from the Niger Delta to the far north, I'd like to ask, who has been the highest, like who has been the highest, um, what's it called? Who has paid the highest amount of ransom? Like who's paid the, the highest amount no, of ransom? I don't know, I don't know. There, there are some that don't come out in public now. There are some of these kidnappings that, some, that some don't, don't make the news. Some don't come out, but yeah. we, we, we walk with, I mean, I mean, we're dealing with facts now, not mm. truth, because only God knows truth. So we're dealing with facts. What we've seen on, on the news and the papers and everywhere, I think it's the government that's paid 800 million naira to bandits. That's the highest. Mr. Sal, you keep coming with this, you allegedly I mean, paid. What's allegedly? Sheikh Gumi said it. He, he was there. Sheikh Gumi yes, paid this money. And some governors yeah. came out later, clownishly came out later and said, Oh my God, some politicians came out and came, Oh my God, I can't believe the bandits, after all the money we paid them, they went into the bush and went to get more guns with this money that we'll be paying them. Mm. See, what you expect, it's, it's not rocket science. You pay people money, that huge amount of money. Of course, they're coming back in a blitzkrieg. These people are yeah, coming but back. The, but now my point now, now to this particular topic people. now, mm. my point with this particular issue now is Nigerians are in a Nigerians are in a desperate situation right now. I'm not talking about the government anymore because I don't know what controls the government, I don't know what motivates them, what inspires them. The government are they are people on their own. The government are even a country right now. The Nigerian government is a country on its own. Yes. Country. The people, the citizens are another country on their own. I told you this before. I said we have like three categories of pure Nigerians. Now we have the Nigerians in diaspora, Nigerians in government, and Nigerians. Mm. So the Nigerians that are not in government now are a country on their own right now. And they are desperate. They are desperate for solace. Anyhow they can get it. Nigerians are beginning to protect themselves. They're beginning to secure their properties by themselves. You saw the Amy Umarin's case in Akwaibom. The sister ran down to police with money that the friend sent from Lagos. The family didn't even have money. The friend who first knew about who got a lot of her friend's um, kidnapping sent money to the sister, the friend's sister. Go to police. They went to police and you know, you know what the police said? We don't have money for fuel. The girl had to call the friend. 
and we're at the police station, they don't have money. The friend in Lagos still had to run around Lagos. Somebody went to Lagos for a job and had not even been paid her first salary. Started running around to rally money from people she didn't know in Lagos, got money and sent for a citizen to go and buy fuel for police vehicle, my brother. They won't yeah. ban things like that though. Yeah, we had that. She bought fuel for police vehicle. The police people went there and said, you know what? It's almost it's almost sun, um, it's almost sunset. Tomorrow we'll continue our, our hunt for this thing. Come back tomorrow. See, the police people are not desperate to solve, they were not desperate to solve this case. It was this girl who was desperate to solve this case. Yeah, so when the citizen care. becomes a lot more desperate than the law enforcement agents, what do you expect them to do? See, people don't pay this ransom willingly. They pay it under duress. They pay it because they are trying to redeem somebody. Do you understand? So I think it is insensitive. It is beyond insensitive for one senator who just seeks relevance to come out and say 15 years imprisonment. All right, you know what? My answer to them is no problem. If anybody I know gets kidnapped and I run around and I pay that ransom, God forbid, let me, it's better because you put, clearly you don't care about the people. You don't care about the people. I think if it's a government that was doing its work, the security apparatus was, was, was intact, and everything was working well, then you can come and release this kind of thing. Well, I mean, this is but, a very insensitive thing at and this even, time. Even, even the, is, is it the Greenfield one or those ones in Cat? The Greenfield that raised 60 million on their own and they were begging on the government. Like, for you to even beg the government to come and pay balance for you, you should be begging. The government should rescue your children. You should not be begging the government to come and give you balance. You know, you know and you cannot talk to parents that have children or, or kids that actually have parents that have been kidnapped to just sit down. Sit down and Mr. do Sal. what? Sit down and wait for who? There's nobody to wait for. That's why they have to figure it I'm, out by I'm themselves. Appalled. I'm appalled yeah. at what this senator is saying because you know the thing with Nigeria, typical Nigeria, they say ah, our leaders do that, that boils down to what you say. We need to know the kind of people we elect and put in power. Because at the end of the day, we have to blame us. Somebody put this guy in power. You know, he came out for election, they voted him. Look at the kind of leaders we are putting in position. And this is just one of them that come out and just read some ridiculous proposals on the floor of the Senate or House of Reps. Because he's never been kidnapped. Usually when things like this happen. They will test him and see whether he will pay the ransom. I'm not saying that anybody should go and kidnap Senator or whatever his family will be But I guarantee I'm laughing at Harry's jokes. <laughs> I'm crazy. Yeah, laughing at the jokes now, yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. You guys just watch this thing very closely. <laughs> This because it's so easier said, oh, like this, they say now, now who they wear the shoe. Of course, they they like, like, exactly. Like, just come out to just talk nonsense. Like, realistically speaking, uh, come on, man. Anyway, let's bounce. Um, there have been numerous attacks on INEC offices now, almost reaching 30. Almost 30 offices right now of INEC have been um, attacked, especially in the southern part of um, the country, southeastern. South, South, precisely. In almost all the reported incidents, sensitive materials and vehicles are destroyed and the office building set on fire by the yet-to-be-identified men. So, INEC on Monday said that the attacks on its offices around the country may likely affect preparations for the 2023 general elections if they are allowed to continue by the security agencies. The INEC um, National Commissioner and Chairman of Information and Voter Education, Festus Okoye, said this, and I quote, For us, we do not know the motives, speaking about the attacks, 
and it is a huge setback on our preparation for some of the off-season elections we have and the 2023 general elections. We are worried that our preparations are being distracted and distorted. We are also worried because some of our officers are now living in fear in relation to what is going on. Uh, Mr. Houston, why do you think these INEC offices we were talked about earlier, we talked about police offices being attacked. Now there is clearly an attack on INEC. Yeah, obviously. You cannot attack when you can burn one, burn two, three, four, five, over twenty, going to thirty offices. I think this week they had like three offices that were not just attacked, were set on fire. Yeah. What do you think is going on? Um this thing is it's predominantly the south, southeast, yeah, right? Yeah, southeast and south, south, because there are some Aquaibom okay. reported cases yeah. as well. Um, firstly, the south, the Biafran interest in the southeast seem, seems to be a lot more concrete than the south, south. But in the south, south, you have divided opinions. You have some people who support the cores, yeah. and you have some people who are against the cores for reasons best known to them. Mm. And clearly, it's I mean, they're secessionists, and the secessionists, a secessionist's ambition is basically against the unions. I mean, it goes against the union. Are, of, are you putting this on IPOB? Of, uh, clearly, who, who would, who, who sits? No, I'll tell you why. I'll narrow it down to IPOB. Yeah, because the, the clearly, because INEC and police have not put it on anyone. They keep saying unknown. Well, no, 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 I, yeah. I, know I'm saying, I know I'm saying this. I didn't, I didn't say IPOB. I said secessionist. But yeah. then, I mean, you Don't know, there's so many elements of secession of secession right now in the country. So, mm-hmm. um, secessionists, people who don't believe in the union, what they do, they go after um, government instruments. They go after government representations or representatives, however they find them, wherever they find them. Um, Started with police stations, now INEC officers, and um, what's it called? Police officers. It's even crazy. I understand that in some part of the Southeast, police officers are so scared. Like, you, you hardly find police officers on the, on the, on the road. Even this one said the INEC um, officials now are scared. Exactly. So, if you, are, if you happen to work for a government, a government parastatal or government, whatever it is, and you're in the Southeast right now, it's unfortunate, but it's unfortunate to say that your life is actually in danger because they believe. For you to wear, for you to wear the coat of the government shows that you are against their cause. Mm. And unfortunately, you're not in Abuja. That happens to be one of the most secure parts of the country. Um, your life is going to be in danger. So they are attacking the government by attacking instruments of the government. Mm. And also, you will see if you notice after Leicester City won the the, the what's it called the FA Cup in the UK. Mm. If you notice what's in Abdekano, what's what he said to Ian Acho and Ndidi, who were celebrating with the national flag, yeah, he insulted them and yeah. said things about them not knowing their identity and blah, blah, blah. It's a disgrace that they'll carry the national flag. So you see what I mean when I talk about secessionists? I'm not trying to narrow it down to IPOL, but from even the statements by secessionists, you understand that anything that goes, anything that shows a little support or an iota of support for the union of Nigeria is a problem for secessionists. Not necessarily a problem, but they're against it. Now, I'm just praying that it doesn't get to a point where small children reciting the national pledge in school will even be at risk or you using the Nigerian Naira because it's actually, I mean, in war, that's what it is. If you hold on, if you still have Naira notes of the union, it's a problem. So it's actually the dire need is, sorry, the, sorry, the South is, is in dire need of, of solution for whatever is going on right now. Mm. I don't know how, but I think 
it still boils down to this administration that I don't like to talk about. Yeah. These things have been there, these agitations have been there for quite some time, but it only it only became more radical with this present administration's um, um, actions and how they've been able to um, respond, yeah. their poor response to the whole disunity going on in the country. Okay. Um, Herobo, do you, with these um, incidents of these attacks, you know, continuous attacks, I think there are going to be more of these attacks as well. Do you think there's a, there's a direct attack on the 2023 general elections in that region, South South and the Southeast? Because I'm not hearing, maybe there are actually oh, attacks yes. on INEC offices in the North, but we've not heard anyone. On the, 20, 29th, on the 29th, IPOP declared on the 29th or 20, 20, between 29th and 30th of this what? month, May, they've declared it Biafra Day and they said no evil person should be seen out. If you're seen outside, you'll be shot on sight. That still boils down they to do this thing we're talking about. Yeah, but, but, well, they do that every year, but they've never been as radical as they are they this year. They say they will shoot you. Yes, on sight. So, Abek, uh, yeah, let's focus on this one. Security agencies should go and handle that. I personally yeah. do not believe that this is the work of IPO. Oh. I personally don't believe it. Okay, interesting. For you to, for you to, I just sent you something on WhatsApp. I know your phone is on airplane mode. Yeah. Mm. It is supposedly a letter from a senior police officer. Okay alerting the IG that I got it this morning and mm. I'm trying to get my uh, my source to confirm for me how authentic it is. Mm. And in this letter, they're basically saying that there's, there are plans to attack Plateau State and the FCT mm. and that the people who are coordinating these attacks are in Yobe and in the Sambusa Forest. Oh. So Sal, I sent you this so that I could make this point. Mm. No attack. No gunshot, no arson, no nothing happens in Nigeria mm. without somebody knowing who it is. Mm. Now, there's no attack that goes on for a period of time without the government knowing who is responsible. Mm. All this talk of unknown gunmen, unknown victims, yeah. it's just crap. You remember when we first brought this um, issue up? I think it was when police stations started getting attacked. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I quoted one senior member of the Ohanese Indigo who was saying that mm -hmm. the DSS knows, the government knows who is responsible for these things. It mm -hmm. is very convenient to call it call them unknown gunmen mm -hmm. or armed men. So what is happening is a systemic move or shift of insecurity mm -hmm. from the north to a rather peaceful south, southern region. Mm -hmm. If you need enough, now, the only reason why, like, the only thing that will stop Nigeria from having elections mm. is chaos across the, world, yeah. the whole, across the whole country. Some of the media from the Southwest have already started calling the Southeast, saying there's anarchy in the Southeast and whatnot. Mm. So it is only that plan that I can see in action. Anything that will unsettle a certain region enough for them to not be able to vote. Mm. Who does that serve? If a state of emergency, that by the way, that's what is that's what I would I would have done. That's what Obasanjo John did in his, in his time. That's what Jonathan did as well. Mm. I don't know why Buhari has not done that yet. As this continues, the argument for a state of emergency in the southeast and some parts of the south south will become stronger. When that happens, it means military rule will be imposed in those places. The, the governor, the state house of assembly dissolved automatically. 
Now, just, just in those regions. Yes, just in those regions. Now, what that does for our elections yet, we do not know. We've not gone into an election with certain states in yeah. state of emergency. You understand? My problem with this is, for a long period of time, the Southeast was very quiet, was very peaceful. Yeah? Secession or no secession, the Southeast was not yeah, known for exactly. this kind of yeah. weekly daily. When whatever was going on in the North. We know where, where in Nigeria we used to have daily reports of mm, chaos. Yeah. All of a sudden, it looks as if this part and this part have been brought to the same yeah. level. Yeah. It is not possible, sir, for you to plan an attack, go out, burn, destroy property without the government knowing. I would ask the government to tell us what they know about this thing. I will ask them to stop using unknown gunmen because at the end of the day, they will, they will turn around and say, but look at it now, 30 INEC officers, police stations, policemen killed, blah, 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 state of emergency. And the way the southern governors are going, if not for this, um, this meeting that I, I am really happy that they were able to hold, I don't think they'll be able to, be able to defend anything. Now, sir, in a position where the South cannot vote. So, on the midnight of Sunday, the Nigerian Labour Congress, alongside other labour unions, began a five-day warning strike in Kaduna to protest against the anti-workers policies by the governor Nasi Erofai state government. They also commenced a peaceful protest on Monday morning, calling on the governor to reverse some of the sacks he had made and to abort plans to carry out more planned sack of workers in the state. The governor of the state did not take this democratically, as he described the protesters as criminals and likened them to bandits, kidnapping innocent citizens and vowing to deal with them and also not to go back on any of his decisions made. He even went ahead to sack more workers who participated in the strike action. So, Heroqua, I just need you to react right now yeah, to Governor Erufai's response to the labor strike in his state. You took note of his response, the way he reacted to everything. What did you think about his behavior? I think it's typical. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Um, it's not, I think that's one thing that we that we will get from Nasser. We know how he will respond to certain kinds of things. Yeah. You Did know? you think that that, that was a, a that was a good behavior displayed by him for a it's governor? Very, it's very undemocratic. Yeah. It's very undemocratic. And what is undemocratic for me is his response to labor. Yeah. Not the sack. I'm not. I'm not commenting on the sack. No, we're, just yet. we're addressing the labor part now. Yeah, like, the yeah they were making demands. Yeah, you know, they were yeah. protesting, and he kept making statements. He even sacked more people. You know, he, he called them criminals as well. So that's what I want us to address. So I think that that yeah. aspect, that yeah. aspect is, as mm -hmm. you said, undemocratic. And I don't. I don't think Anasir is a strong believer in democracy and whatnot. So you don't think he's a strong what? Believer in democracy. Okay. Yeah. He he's he has always never liked people telling him what he has done wrong and whatnot. Yeah. So the, you are in a democratic system of government. Yeah. When you're in Rome you behave like a yeah, like Roman. That's how it's supposed you know? to be. That's how yeah. it's supposed to be. But we know we know team gods when we see them. So mm. Mr. Houston. Yeah. What did you think of uh Governor Erovai's behavior and comments to towards the labor or in response to their demands. I think I think Erovai's actions, I think his his conduct actually just exudes unprofessionalism and I mean reckless apathy for the people of Katana State. Because 
clearly he doesn't have the plight of his people at heart. He doesn't identify with the plight of the people of this country, let alone people of his state. Because mm. when you hear him talk, when you hear him tweet, everything he says is just anti-people. Mm. He's an anti-people person. So like Harry said, he's, it's, it's typical of him. My only fear is that El Rafael might vie for another position tomorrow and some stupid people who sympathize with him might still put him in there. And it's going to be disastrous for, for us to have El Rafai in a in an elected position again because this is not the first time El Rafai has been El Rafai. He's done this in the past. He's done it like subsequently. He's been doing things like this and people keep saying it. But somehow, the guy has had an upward trajectory in his um, political career. And I think he could still go higher with the number of dumb Nigerians we have. Mm. So for me, if it doesn't affect me, I have nothing to say about what Erifai is saying. What, well, do you, what do you think he could have done? Um, how do you think he could have done this difference? See, it's NLC for crying out loud. Address the people. NLC is not a group of mad people. These are workers for crying out loud. You should appreciate your laborers. Even in the Bible that I, I, I live and I abide, abide by, every laborer deserves his wage. And when I'm talking about deserving his wage, it's not even like a consistent particular amount of wage. If if, 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 if there's inflation, if there's anything that doesn't favor the economy and, you know, the currency goes down, I think a liberal deserves increment in wage. Value-added service, if, if it gives you value-added service, it deserves increment. Whatever happens, like, if there should be progression in every liberal's um, earnings. And if people are coming out to say this is their problem, you're firing them without due notification and without reasons given for it. I mean, come on, you should be able to identify with the people's plight. This is NLC. He said something. Um, he said sacking people. Please, could you could you read that part where he said something about sacking people that are not that are not. No, fit? we've not we've not gotten oh, there. Like that. That's the second bit I was going to okay. get in. So I just wanted you guys right now to react to his response to labor. You know, calling yeah. calling labor criminals. I felt like he was speaking like a very proud person. You know, even if you want to take certain actions, I said I this believe, before. I believe you if, should just still be respected. If you want to deliver, if you, you want to, if you want to kill a dog, mm. give it a bad name. El Rafai likened our Labour Congress to bandits. Yeah. So that's that's I think that's the height of it. That speaks for it. That speaks for itself. It shows what it shows what El Rafai is actually driving at. It gives them a bad name and he goes after them. But funny enough, I think look, just move on a bit. It's El Rafai. If you wake up no El Rafai, what could you have done differently in terms of your response to Labour? You know, it's it's one thing for us to say, okay, he didn't do it in a good way, how, how could he have done it that could have been more accepting so, to us, the people? What I'm about to say is probably going to make a lot of people angry. Okay. And um, since Arafai entered office, I've not agreed with him on so many of his policies. But this policy, this particular one, I agree with, with him 100% and I'll tell you why. Yeah, well, not got into policy though. We're talking. It's the policy that is, it is the policy that is feeding. No, the way like calling calling them criminals. No, well, what okay, could he have uh, done in that circumstance? He'd yeah. Nasser was talking like a dictator that he yeah. is inside, and whether we are going to spend time talking about how he responded to labor or not, he's never going to change. He's never going to change. You saw him under the uh, Obasanjo administration. Mm. You saw him in the build up to the election. Nasser is Nasser. Kaduna people voted him, knowing before he came in, they used to call him Meroso. What it means, Meroso means demolisher. Yeah. He knew what they were calling, what they were bringing into office. 
They just meant like physical, you know, the way you transform Abuja, come and demolish and rebuild, you know, Kaduna State and whatnot. I'm sorry that they didn't do their research completely. Anyway, let me get to the other half, which I think you guys want to rush into. You know, <laughs> Henry Kwa is already saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to, you know. So, uh, in one of the statements he released, he raised the following arguments to back um, his decision to sack the workers, which they were protesting against and, and whatnot. So, this is what Governor Erofai said part of his statement. He said, what this strike is about is to answer fundamental questions, the first of which is this, should an employer keep persons of poor education, inadequate skills, qualifications, and bad, um, and bad work attitude in employment, whether he likes it or not? And he says, our answer in Kaduna State is in the negative. So he says, no. So um, he continues to say, we as the employer are in a contract of employment with the employee. If he is not up to scratch, you know, if he's not up to scratch, we will let him go. And that is included in our contract of service. So my question to you guys, you know, imagine you're already on yeah, so imagine you guys are CEOs right now. You know, you have employees that are, let me list what he said, oh. Yeah? Mm. They have poor education, inadequate skills mm -hmm. and qualifications, mm -hmm. bad work attitude in mm -hmm. employment. Mm -hmm. We go to some of these ministries, NYC offices. They have served those, <laughs> so, those, those people come by 11. So you are saying Before that, they even answer you, they will eat their rice. That, you are saying that you, you know, are wait to that they, they will eat their rice, drag their legs. Mm -hmm. Some don't even come to offices properly. Mm -hmm. There's no discipline in some of those places. Mm -hmm. Let's remove sentiments. Mm -hmm. Whether you like Erofai, whether you don't like him or not. Because we, we talked about the first sack one time when he sacked the workers. But then he did not give, the reason he gave then, he said uh, uh, that the, the, the cost of governance was, was becoming too expensive. That was the sack. That no, was the no, announcement that the sack okay, was coming. Okay, it was coming. But the reason he gave then was different from what he's saying now. Yes. He said no, the cost of governance is what he it's, raised. It's together. Then no, was, no, was no, too much. Because to me, no, as, he, he probably it, it, depends, it depends on how you see He saw it earlier no. and he said cost of governance, I did not agree when he came up with this one as an employ as an employer i have a different take but you guys um go. so first of all nasser is not just firing civil servants he's firing his essays as well that's okay. one thing we need to understand no calm down calm down now he's cutting government waste as mm. much as he can and he's trying to reform the civil service so let me just let me just try and breeze through what the statistics say. The alleged say. dictator is trying to reform the civil service. In your <laughs> we opinion. have no. We've had we've had different dictators over time that have actually look. Jake uh, Moses mm -hmm. Rawlings of Ghana was a dictator. Yeah, but we could dictator. have a good dictator. And he, yes, you can actually. Okay. You can actually. Now in Kaduna State, yeah, the workforce is about one hundred thousand people strong. One hundred thousand people strong are drawing on almost that the, the wage bill is more than now it is more than 
if you put allowances at overhead, mm-hmm. is more than the FAC allocation to Kaduna State. How will the previous government survive in that? Like, who put them there now? The government put them there. Hold on, hold on, sir. Who are they blaming it on the people? Yeah, go on, though. Now, this 100,000 people form 1.43% of the Kaduna population. Okay. 1.43. Who's what? I I like the fact that you're asking that. Now, 98.57 people are not not going to have access to the fact money because wage bill because when the money comes in the state government must pay and Kaduna has not delayed payment of salaries do you understand now once that fuck money is paid do you know where the rest of the people will get money for the security the roads and waiting waiting igr taxes and blah 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 mm-hmm. it is still not enough Kaduna has done done very well since 2015 to raise its uh, what do they call it its igr Surpassing Kano, even in the face of this pandemic. Yeah, but they can do more, though. Yes, they can do Mm -hmm. more. But Sal, before you can do more, something has to give. Now, a lot about the civil service. You have just explained how your experience with the NYSC and whatnot. It is what we experience on a daily basis anytime we interact with government officials. Mm -hmm. It is the same thing that we get. Either director has not come by two, he comes in and then immediately they see he has gone to play and he has gone from there. He's not going to come back. You understand? Now, that's why I was saying earlier that this is linked to that, is that not only are these people drawing on so much resources, mm. the capacity for them to actually form the bedrock of Kaduna State's reformation, if we will call it that, they don't have it, they lack it. Have you come, now, I, I understand that you may have seen civil servants in Abuja. Civil servants in, at the state level are a different breed, sir. Different breed. Because... They understand the difficulty of you activating maybe Servicom or any other thing that's supposed to bring them to do their job. Yeah? Baba, you go buy rice tire. You will buy food. What are you saying? No, okay, wait, no. wait. Let me cut you short here and then you go on. This is Governor Erofi's second term in office. Mm-hmm. If he was doing this as soon as he came to power, well, maybe I'll be like, okay, this is very new because you're coming to a new system. Mm. You are saying that, oh, let's just check, let's, let's look at the workforce. Why is he doing this now? Why is he, why is he just realizing this now? Okay, so let me explain. How much time does he have to actually restructure the state before he leaves office? It's yeah, we can argue that. It's supposed to be a continuum. Yeah? Yeah, under, under Ramalan Yeru, Yeru especially, mm-hmm. under Yeru, who was Erufai's predecessor, a lot of employments were done like that. A lot of them were done without even the person applying, doing any test, doing anything at all. Do you understand? Because that was the easiest way for government to say, come, I've given you a job. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, it is no longer sustainable, sir. When you consider the fact that COVID has affected the world, Mm -hmm. the world is changing. The face of the world is changing. We are battling with getting the right uh, um, amount of barrels of crude oil exported for us to get any amount, any kind of money. Fuck uh, uh, allocations are their all, all time low. You understand? Now, in the face of those kind of things, how you must come back home and ask yourself. Even you, you do the same thing. You check your phone sometimes and say, ah, "Where am I spending the most bandwidth?" Yeah. You now look at this app and why does this app take this? Maybe if you don't like the app, you delete the app. Yeah, but in that instance, I will blame myself, though. Yes. Yeah, because it's like we're forcing these people. Sir, what I'm I'm saying is that Nasser did not hire these people. We know for a fact. Government did. Was it with government or calling right now? Can Nasser government to the government? I'm going to drop my points. I'm going to finish this this thing with two points now. One is that it is patronage that drives civil service employment. It is not competence. Yeah? Mm -hmm. The second one is that if not now, when? 
That's what I want to ask. If not now, when? Now, when Nasser entered in 2015, he set up the Kaduna State Bureau of Statistics. What this has done, South, in, among all the states, now Kaduna is where I grew up. Kaduna is the only state that is highly aligned on SDGs. You get. Now, for you to be able to get SDGs, even the UN recommends that you have to look at your spending pattern to be able to provide water, healthcare, education, security. You, you, understand, you understand what I'm saying? Power, infrastructure, and whatnot. You can't do that if all the money that the federal government sends to you, you're using it to pay salaries and other costs. It's yeah, impossible. But at some point, I require, I want you to blame the state government for the entire mess. Pre- yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. They, they I agree. need to do that. That's where I feel their delivery to the people, at least, even if you have to let go of these people. The way you now let go of them, taking some responsibility, you, you deliver them in a more palatable manner. You still let them go, but this is where I'm letting you go. You know, I feel the, the whole approach was bad. You want to do something, you're in a state, you need to fix things right now. But come on, man, they didn't get themselves there now. Is it their fault that when they are Apply they got the jobs in the previous administration. That's not their fault. In their minds, they felt they were qualified, and that's why they got the jobs. And you are just coming out right now to tell me I have poor education. Did you not know that I had poor education before you employed me? So, so yeah. in the civil service, yeah, if we are being honest, before you get your job description. Now, I'm talking of even people who are working in process like FIRS. Before you get your job description, you must know somebody. You must know somebody for them to say, listen, on a day-to-day basis, this is what you do. Now. 20% of the people in the civil service, that's what that's how they got their job description. In fact, it is 20% of the civil service. I dare to say, let anybody come out and and, and, and debunk what I'm saying. It is 20% of the people in the civil service that are getting any actual work done. Only 20%. So what is the use of that bloated workforce? What is the use of it? Anyway, I, I still me I still agree if you're not efficient, because some of these workers, if you're not productive, please I fire you. There's no sentiment for Mr. Houston. <laughs> um, just like yeah. I, just like I rightly said before, ever find somebody who has proven to be um, to have so much disdain for people that are beneath him from time. This is not the first time he's actually shown this. If this is Elrofine's second term in office, mm. and you're telling me it is not, it is no longer sustainable paying people. We've come to understand that Nigeria is a place that, whether you like it or not, due to our our proliferating population. Nigeria is a place where you don't just fire people like that, especially in the civil service. Because when you fire them, what are you, what are you, what are you creating? You're sending people home without jobs. Let me cut you there. Should it matter? Yes, it should matter. No, if we have to put sentiments aside, if somebody is not efficient on their job and they get fired, what's my business? I feel like if you want to keep your job, no, wait right now because there are some people on these jobs that were not fired. So why are you among the people that were fired? No, so, I have to look at it as an employer. So, so, Why should I consider what you're going to do after I fire you? So, No, go on though. No, I'm just, I'm trying to play devil's advocate, but go on. You were right, Harry was right to say in the Nigerian civil service, most times 20% of the people are the ones that get the work done. Um, the remaining 80% come and mess things up, 20% clean up after them. We know all of these things that go on in the civil service. But you know why people don't get fired from the civil service? First of all, you have a horde of people in the civil service. You have millions of people in this place, both state level and federal level. I'm coming. Now, what you do is, if people aren't efficient, these people were employed by previous administration. These people have seen the civil service as a, the way the civil service is structured in Nigeria is something where people expect to climb. They've seen themselves in so, so, so many years. Some of them are not even going to retire at the um, cardinal age of 60. 
Some of them are going to retire before then. Some of them, you know, due to when they entered. But now, people in civil service already have a plan. I think there are two things I expected Air Revive to have done. If people weren't efficient, it's this simple. If people weren't efficient enough, train and retrain people. It's your job. That's While one. paying them. That's, yes, that's mm -hmm. one. Secondly, if paying people is not sustainable they anymore. Have to train you to be oh my god, Sal, Sal, see, honestly, this is getting me really, really right now. If you cannot pay these people, if you say it is, if you say it's not sustainable, then Aerofire should be championing, it should be among the governors championing restructuring because that's the problem we have in the country. That's the same problem we have. How much does Katuna State generate for Nigeria? What does Katuna State contribute to the country? This is the same restructuring. It still boils down to restructuring. You don't just fire people and send them to their houses. This is what have kids. I'm against firing people of any that's under any ramification. I don't know. I don't want to even know. How do you fire people? Yes, now, if you fire, wait, if you fire 20,000 people. Is that personal or is it? It is not personal. It is not personal. It's what I see. It is Nigeria. Don't judge Nigeria by American standards or anywhere with regards to this particular issue, civil service. Do you know how many people have in the civil service in Nigeria? After Dangote or even before Dangote, Dangote and Nigerian civil service are the highest employer of labor in Nigeria, whether you like it or not. Yeah, but my argument. We know some people do not do anything in the civil service. Yeah, but fine. Are you fine. That I'm not endorsing that behavior. What do you now do? Some of these people have kids that they're training. Some of them have kids that they're training to learn to be things. Jesus, where you I don't know. Go to the office and work listen, more. Listen, listen, listen. Go to the office and work more. Some of them do not even know what to do. Some of them don't even know what to do, just like you rightly said. Some of these people came in by phone call, come in and work. You don't even know what your job description is. Isn't it proper now that you train these people? No, you don't know what to do, but you have the mind to go to work every day. And collect salary when you collect salary. Bro, will they put honey in your mouth and you spit it out? What? Will they put honey in your mouth and you spit it out? I have somebody that was in an office and she used to come and complain to me that there was nothing for her to do and she would go to the boss and ask Do you know how I work? Hey, I need something. You're talking about, now you're talking about NYC workers. Now I'm talking about call members now, NYC call members. These are prospective workers, prospective civil servants or what or whatnot. These are people who have gone to school to study. What do coppers do in Nigeria? No, I'm not talking about coppers. No, 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 no. Me now, me now, I want to talk about coppers now. What do coppers, what do they fucking do in Nigeria? Most coppers don't even do anything. I was, a, I was a tutor, I was teaching. But I saw my colleagues were not, some of them were not even teaching, they were just standing and sitting down. So it's a culture, it's already inside, it's in the system, it's in some people's, it's inbred. Now it's, it's your responsibility to train people. You must train people. If you're in a position of employment, if you're sort of employment, yes, if you're to employ people, then you must train people. Let them know their job descriptions. If you know they're ineffective, with the way Nigeria is right now, you can't just fire people. You know you're creative, you're creating kidnappers. The kidnappers are kidnapping people. Some of them are even old men. You saw people that were linking this boy that kidnapped Emil Murray. They were linking his father with him. His father is 60, he's a retired person, he's even a retiree from Ministry of Health in Abuja. Yeah. They were living in Abuja. Yeah. Now he has gone back, he started a kidnapping ring for Richard Kim. When people are out of job, what do you expect them to do? So this is Nigeria, you must consider certain things. There's so something, listen, wait, so there's something. We don't a wise man once told me something. Right. One minute, a wise man once told me something. That before you fire people sometimes, you must consider so many things. Especially your security guards, you don't fire security guards. Now, this is not security we're talking about. Hmm. But when he told me this thing, I just saw the entire concept of firing people. When you fire, before you fire people sometimes. See, there's a way you can actually fire people and people will actually kiss your, they'll kiss your ring, your gold ring and say, thank you sir, it was a pleasure working with you. You don't just drop 20,000 people and now you're coming back to tell us that it's because of their bad work ethic. After initially you told us why you fired them, you fired 20 people because... Come on, come on, please, I beg. Anyway, um, let's, let's move on, man, because this... this <laughs> There are different takes on this matter, you know, we're just going to see it differently. By the end of the day, I want people to have jobs. 
you know, I want people to be able to feed their families, but I still want people to earn their salaries. I want us to be productive, Nigerians. We have to start getting to that space where yes. we want to work. We yes. don't just want easy and free money. money. Yes. You know, so I'm looking at it from the both sides. Yes. Like, don't go there and just be relaxed and collecting the money and feel satisfied. When there are some people that go to offices that when there's no work to do, they cannot relax. They can't be there. Some even quit that job and go somewhere where they can be productive. And the fact that you lose one job doesn't mean, like, if you really know what you have and what you carry, you'll be sure that you'll get another job. Exactly. No, no. Believe. You're right. You're very, pro- you're very, you're very correct. When Buari came into office first, a lot of Nigerians were happy. Those of them who were very functional in their organizations and coming. A lot of them who were very functional in their civil, in their civil service, service positions were very happy. They were like, yes, all the rot in the system because Baba discipline is coming in. All the rot in the system is going to clear up. Those people that don't work, those people that leave work every Friday in the name of prayers, they leave at as early as 2 o'clock and they don't come back again. All those nonsense is going to stop. People were happy. And quite all right, the first thing I saw when, when um, Buari entered office was, I saw people reaching, it was all over the news, that Ministry of Social and so people got to work as early as 7, people got to work as early as 8. But how long, for how long did it last? We thought this was going to be the new system, this was going to be the status quo. Now let me tell you why it is not a person's fault if he was inexperienced, undereducated, and got this job. Whether you like it or not, the, the, des- the number of desperate Nigerians are more than the number of Des- Nigerians that are not desperate. You have lots of desperate Nigerians and you call somebody. That's why I give you the analogy of putting honey in your mouth if you spit it out. You have somebody who is in the house who is desperate for a job or something or just needs a living and you give him a job. He doesn't know his job description. Typical civil service work. He comes in and he sees that. It is like the typical old Nepal office. You just come down and sit down or you count you count number of files every day and at the end of the day you get paid. He will continue doing that. It's easy for him. He has, easy, he has an easy work. You've not told him his job description. Now, if you now, the directory changes and some, sorry, the um, board of whatever changes, the board changes and a new board comes in. First of all, you understand this person is not handicapped. This person is very able. This person can actually do this thing if he gets a certain amount of training. In all fairness, I'm not talking about going Hitler style and firing people. Because if you're firing people, you're creating a group, another group of people somewhere. Now, is it, not, is it not typical that you say, okay, come, this is what you'll do. I don't like things to be run like this. This is not how we run this organization. We are actually trying to achieve something. Train these people and not train, you train and retrain these people. Now, when you once have trained them and you see that some of them are just blatantly, fragrantly, fragrantly, whatever, inefficient. What did you do? Yes, let me cut you short. What did you do? You're talking about the government yes, that is saying right now that they have less funds. So you're talking more about training. I feel like it was easier. That was why I said restructuring right them. Look at the entire system to say, okay, where are the weakest links here? We are trying to save money. And, and, and that was where why the weakest links. And that was why I said. That was why I said. Yeah. That before the teachers were fired, they were actually given assessments. Do you know that? Before the teachers were fired, do you know? Hold on now. The structure of the firing part was the bottom percentile. That's what M5 fired in Katana The people who could not score 20% were the ones that he fired. So it's not as if the ones that scored 25% uh, are not still there. Do you understand? But 20,000. No, listen right now. Here we come. These teachers. These are people that are going to train the leaders of tomorrow. They talk about nurses as well. These are people that will treat people in the hospitals. I don't think we should compromise when it comes to those categories of Exactly. We should not be sentimental about it, in my opinion. You know, if a teacher, you cannot teach, please go. You can go and do something else. That's why I said, 
If you are sure of yourself, you're sure of what you carry, you'll be confident to leave that position where you know you're inefficient. Now, and go somewhere where you will be efficient. Okay, talk about funds now. Tell me about funds. What, what's your solution if the funds are actually... Because you know one thing, it's Nigeria. If the funds are low today, it will get lower tomorrow. So talk about funds now. I don't know this is my business. Okay, now, 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 this is my, this, this is my point now. This is my point now. This is my point now. People are calling for restructuring. Everybody is not calling for restructuring. See why restructuring... See why this thing boils down to restructuring at the end of the day again. It still comes down to restructuring. It has a lot to do with restructuring. It is still the same federal government that is overstretched. It is still the same federal government that's sorry that's claiming to be overstretched. They have the funds. They disburse dis dis this fund every month to the states. Now you're saying it is no longer sustainable. It wouldn't it be better if wouldn't it be easier and better for Kaduna State to know the amount of people to employ, the amount of efficient people to employ, if Kaduna State actually generates its own fund, manages its own fund, wouldn't it be better? That's anyway, far-reaching, if you ask me. Those are issues that should be sorted out. We need to, to tying it to restructuring is a bit far-fetched. The the links are not are not clear because there are areas that under restructured um, Nigeria, for example, local government staff are local government staff. They're not under the, under the, under the state government. You understand? So it's a different ball game. You get. I get where you're going with with the restructuring thing, but it's not. It's the 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 the, the link is not very strong. You get and it's that's, not an immediate solution. Yeah, as and well. where we are, where we are, Houston, I wish more states will execute it like this. I now the reason why I'm even why I'm even listening to Aerofice stuff. Uh, Sal El Kaduna has been transformed systemically. Systemically. Now it is the kind of thing of we want to build 10 schools. We, we know where, where and where we are putting the schools. We know that we, we are putting them here because in so so in these places, children under the age of so so and so are not getting enough education. That's how that's how Kaduna has been operating. You understand? Okay, we are putting solar panels here. The reason we are putting it here is because they have so so and so amount of this daylight, blah 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 blah, the grid, blah 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 blah, their consumption and whatnot. That's how Kaduna has been making its decisions. You get now. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of Aerofire. But when I see governance the way I would like to see it in Nigeria, informed decisions, you understand? I, I'm a sucker for that, yeah. honestly. Anyway, let's move. So, the governor of Benway State, Samuel Autumn, described as evil the removal of history as a subject from secondary and primary schools curriculum by the federal government. He said, and I quote, we must know our history, we must know how we came here, we must know when we sojourn here, we, we know uh, and know people that came to join us. We must know what happened in 1800. All these are very important. If we do not do it, we have failed as a generation and posterity will not forgive us. So basically, um, I think the federal government has banned history as a subject in secondary and primary schools. Do you think history should be banned? Or why do you think history should still be taught? Is it important that we continue to teach the future generations the history about Nigeria? Because the federal government does not think so. I think... Especially in schools. In schools. Do you think the schools are responsible? No, I think or it's, should be it's, a government, it's a government policy. Yeah. It's a policy from the Ministry of Education and whatnot. Mm. And I think it was even a while back. Like yeah, it was a while back. Yeah. Then they brought it back and yeah. now they're banned. Now, I think, yeah. I think it is important. It was um, Bob Mali that said, if you don't know where you're coming from, then you cannot figure out where you're going. 
Mm. You know, um, a lot of us have do you a warped, that same? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. A lot of us have a warped understanding of what Nigeria is, what Nigeria has done, or mm. who has played what role in Nigeria. Mm. I see. I've been taking a lot of history, Nigerian history lessons recently. There's a there's an account on YouTube that has these old videos with mm. close to close to the closest objective that I have objective view I like to watch that, that one. I think it's better I'll than reading it. it. I'll share you. Yeah. I'll share the link with you. Now, the truth about it is, we need to be able to recognize who the villains and the the heroes in our story as a country have mm. been. Our, our, our dance with this this masquerade dance we're dancing with history is because we are afraid of the truth. Mm. We do not. We are not ready for ourselves. One region is not ready to come to the other one and say we have done bad to you. Mm. That's 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 what's going on here. Do you understand? Wow. Now, what you are trying to remove from history, you are giving the child a bit of it in social studies, and then mm. the child is like wondering, like, eh, so what happened there? For him to find out what happened, he has to go to history. Now, we have another problem with the press being too happy to put certain people, man of valor, man of timba and caliber and whatnot. Meanwhile, we are talking about crooks here. Do you understand? Mm. Now, in a society where we have that kind of dishonesty, I think history is important. I think let the people learn the history and decide, and decide for themselves. Yeah. Look, at, look at the pride with which mm. young kids in America recite the, 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 the presidents that they've had or the states and their capitals and whatnot. All of these things are part of our history. So you want to tell kids now that from the beginning, Nigeria has been 36 states. No, don't lie. If we don't know where we are coming from, where we are coming from, we don't know where we are going to. There was a time that we was northern and southern protectorates. Yeah. There was a time that we had emirs in this place and obas and obis and whatnot leading different different places. So we need to understand where we have come from. We need to understand our context before we realize where we are going to. I feel like if history itself does not come back, it may be a, far, a, a long long stretch. But if we cannot restate history in our secondary schools, mm. why are we bothering with restructuring? Mm. Why are we bothering with it? Because there's a basis for us asking to restructure. That basis is hidden in our history. If you don't want the younger ones to learn that history, we are most likely not going to see restructuring in our own time. How would they fight it? How would they get it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Hissen, do you support um, the ban of history? And if you think history should not be banned, um, do you think it's the it should be the responsibility of schools to teach children that? history or should it be the responsibility of parents to teach the history of the country to their children or should it be both you know whose responsibility should it be on and it do is, you support this move it is going to be it is a very it's a very consequential statement for anybody to ask for history to be banned yeah but it's been banned though well it's it's going to be very detrimental to yeah our 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 or to us as nigerians trying to project our future but then that's by the way what is not history this podcast is doing is history. When you do it, you post it online for people to see what we talked about last week. That's history. Your records, medical records, that's history. When you go to a doctor, what does he ask you? He wants to see the last, wants to see records of your pre-existing whatever it is that you have. That's history. Every, everything is history. The news, the media, everything we talk about is history. We'll call it international relations. Let me tell you something nobody tells you. International relations, what I studied, international relations, many of them, do you know me had got a master's from base university in international relations? It's always international. It is history. International relations is just to twist it up. It's, you learn history from year one, from 101 till the final 401. Mm. It's history. Everything we learn is history. What do you do when you go to school? You're studying law. All are you doing? 
all you do is probably regurgitating things, theories people have written, yeah. cases, cases from the past. That's mm-hmm. history. So now history proper now as a course. Judge Bush studied history before even going to fight, before joining the, the Marines. Ojuku studied history up till master's level in Oxford University. So I think it is either people who are scared of how they're going to look in the future or how people will tell their stories in the future that are asking for a ban in history or because of how Nigerian, the Nigerian educational system has treated the curse history. That's probably why anybody will ask that history should be, come on, who doesn't like stories? Don't you listen to your, history is just, it's, see, the word history is actually from a Greek word, historia, a story, that's what it means, a story. And everything we do has a story. What are we talking about? History. All, all the topics we're talking about the history of the week. So it is history. Whether it is 10 years ago, we just assume, all we do is we just assume when we hear history, we assume it's 19 whatever, centuries or so. See, anything that happens yesterday is history. Right? And, so and it should be important. It is very, it is imperative. Yeah. It is super important that everybody should have history. And let me tell you, the difference between every other history and history as a cause is history as a cause documents them with facts and figures, with dates, with proper articulation. Mm. That is why it is important. It is a lot more important. We don't just want to, we don't want tomorrow somebody come and say, that's a, I know very, very well, you like to put allegedly in things because of things you're not very sure about. Yeah. But when you have history, you talk about these things. That's you know, right. you articulate these things with facts mm-hmm. because you are sure of it. And you back it up with you say, When they said this person killed Kudira Tabiola, you come out and say, in 1996, Kudira Tabiola was shot by people that were sent by Susuna because you're talking from history. And the facts are there. So when you stop teaching it, people will get away with a lot of stuff. So I think history is very important if we must project our future as a country. And history Especially is at this time where there's so much division. Thank so you. imagine we don't teach history and young people don't understand what's going on. Why is there so much education? Why do these people want to go this way? Why is the country not in, in unison? You Thank know? You. So, so, I, I, sorry, one more thing. Somebody called recently, um, our, our last topic, somebody called for a regional system that we should go back. Remember he said, we should go back, we should, the, the government, the president should temporarily hand over power to the military okay, yeah. and we should go back to the regional system. Mm-hmm. Going back, it's history is talking about because we were once we at the regional system, like, South, like Henry rightly said, mm-hmm. Nigeria wasn't, didn't just start with 36 states, we were once in the regional we system. we didn't just have democracy. Thank you. So yeah. now somebody was actually tapping into that history that we had. So I mean, history is rich. Nobody should get rid of it, I beg. All right. Um, so I'm just going to get to our final topic. We have five minutes to finish this one here. Okay. Um, so the Nigerian Communications Commission has stated, this actually happened today, um, has stated that all Nigerians will have to submit their, um, the International Mobile Equipment Identity, that's the MIEI, of their mobile phones to it from July 2021. The NCC said this in its revised national identity policy for SIM card registration. So I'm going to read the statement from NCC. So NCC said, with the aim to curtail the counterfeit mobile phone market, discourage mobile phone theft, enhance national security, protect consumer interest, increase revenue generation for the government, reduce the rate of kidnapping, mitigate the use of stolen phones for crime, 
and facilitate blocking or tracing of stolen <laughs> mobile phones. <laughs> you guys laughing. And, and other <laughs> smart devices. Come on, man. Listen to the, they're they building the argument here also. Mm. People don't just come out to say, oh, they want our number. They want all our numbers. So one of the means to achieve this, as the NCC statement um, saying, is through the deployment of device management system. So the statement goes on to say that the implementation of a centralized equipment identity register, otherwise known as device management system, we serve uh, as a respiratory for keeping records of all registered mobile phones, international mobile equipment identity and owners of such devices. So the bottom of the statement says that IMEIs that have been reported either stolen or illegal will be shared through the DMS, which is the device management system, to all operators and service providers. So this is Pantami's, um, this is um, Pantami's, um, uh, parastatal or whatever, you know. So apart from the NIN, National Identification Number, they're asking for the IMEIs now and at Vivian, like they're asking for these numbers now. So the social media was actually on fire today, you know, like everybody's just angry, like why are they asking us for this number? I heard people saying invasion of privacy, you know, why do they need this number? They already have the NIN, they already have BVN, they already have national identification, like why are they looking for, like most Nigerians are scared, especially the ones that are not very educated, you know, people just read these news and believe whatever they believe from it, you know, they start panicking and Let's not forget that the Honorable Minister that heads this um, commission, his accusation for terrorism, allegedly, you know, alleged links with um, terrorists or, or terrorism, you know. So I think it's understandable when people are, are panicking that don't really understand. But the government is backing it right now and saying we need this number to curtail crime. Henry Kwa, do you agree with this move or do you think this is getting out of hand? Which, which crime? I think it's boredom. Like when you are when you are a dunce and you don't have what to do, you make up things and then you expect that other people are dull like you. So they will not look at you and clap for you because you want to gather IMEI. IMEI that every website you visit has that information. Check the next website that you go to and you see cookies waiting, waiting. Of your phone? Anywhere you okay. visit. Uh, listen, the way the internet works is you accept if you have gone behind that protocol. Mm. Everybody has an identity on the internet. Yeah. There are people that use VPNs and switch where they are, jump from one continent to the other. That's fine and whatnot. Those people are doing high level, high level stuff. Mm. Regular Nigerians, 90% of us, what we do is that we go and visit the website. All our information, the website has. Check the cookies that you accept now. Sorry. In 2000 and, um, 2011, be 12, 12, I think. An Israeli company called Elbit was hired by the Jonathan administration to install the infrastructure for monitoring phone conversations, for monitoring everything that happens on the internet and their mobile networks. Yeah. Jonathan did not leave office with it. He left it there in the villa. $40 billion was spent on that thing, if I remember clearly. 40 what? About 40 billion. 
18 million or 40 billion dollars. It was an Israeli, it was an Israeli, uh, Israeli agency that did that thing for Nigeria. Nigeria shouted about it for all of one week or so, and then that thing was gone. That infrastructure is still there. So, as I said earlier, when he does things that he has stumbled upon board, he will try to make it look as if everybody come as he goes. So, this is. Yeah, but at the end of the day, though, this is not going to stress Nigerians. You know, like they're saying, everybody must from July. Yeah, but, uh, July. Uh, everybody has to come and line up right now to submit their numbers. Line up where? I will not submit it. I'm saying it on the show. I will not submit my IMEI number. I won't submit it. Rubbish. Uh, MTN app that I use has, has my IMEI so, number. What are you, are you talking about? you saying the company should go and collect it from wherever the stuff When is. you put a new SIM in your phone, doesn't it tell you that it's a new SIM that you have put? Yeah. <laughs> so what are you talking about? As long as you have, uh, see, you don't even need internet access for your phone call, phone provider to know what, what phone you are using. Well, I like this information. I like else? the information you're giving now, though, especially for those Nigerians that are panicking that, mm. oh, this number is one special number that nobody has, or oh, the federal government wants to take the number to hack our phone and kill us and blah, blah. Like, I've just seen a lot of comments today. I'm like, okay. It's just, it's just busybody. Yeah. Don't mind them. It's just busybody. If they say you should, if they put gun on your head and say you should come and give them, go and give them, but me, I'm not giving them. Mr. Houston, like, your face is so serious. It's like you have a different take on this. Please, um, attack. Anyway, um first of all, um the International Mobile Equipment Um Identity, IMEI, is something that comes with every phone, I believe. I do not think I do not think the government should should have to ask us for it. This is like very soon you start asking us for our clothes. <laughs> like bring one clothe of bring one clothe you have so we can have your DNA. Mm-hmm. See, God, it is, it is, or bring your S strand. Exactly. Or bring everybody bring your S strand to NCC. I, I, I kinda like how we need to fight criminals in this country. I kinda, I kinda like how people people's gazettes put it. They said terrorist linked Pantami has Yes, that's how they would say terrorist links. No, but attack. if I put my title like that, you'll come and Honestly, I thought about you. Excuse me. I thought about you. Tell me that I'm being I thought, of, I thought about you when I said anyway. I said, oh, this is this is one of them. But anyway, it's not one of them. Anyway, exactly. Anyway, anyway, um the thing is, I don't like the fact that the Nigerians that have had to go through so much. Poor Nigerians like us, we still have to fight this terrorism. Some people have not done NIM like they were lined up for Because do you understand that? Yeah. Do you understand that Nigerians are fighting, I mean, Nigerian citizens, mm-hmm. civilians are fighting terrorism for this government? Do you understand? And the government, at the end of the day, at, by the end of everything, will still take the whole glory. Not even the glory is to come and press our neck on top. Just to press our neck on top. You did BVM, we didn't complain. You did NIM, we didn't complain. Even though people complain, but people still went ahead. Yeah, I'm for fear now, you know? Now, we are coming and asking for our IMEI. Please, when do we bring our boxers? When do we bring our, our when do we bring our DNA? When do we bring it to it? Because I need to know. It's like every day you come up with something new. I've never heard, when you see, when they favors them, they say, even in America. Mm-hmm. Please, let's talk about America here. Yeah? I've never heard, of, I've never heard of a situation where America will ask people you to bring their privacy to you. Sorry, you know the funny thing. Oh my God. You know the funny thing. This IMEI yeah. is not hidden inside the phone. Mm-hmm. It's not hidden inside the phone. The packet of the phone that you buy is there. It's outside. So, so why yeah. do they go to, go to Banex and ask the boys there? Bring all the, all the phones that you are yet to sell. Let us get on the IMEI. Hmm. Before people register their names to the IMEI. Hmm. That makes more sense. Thank you for this. 
That makes more sense. Because right now you're asking Mr. Sal, bring your INI. His name is already there with his INI. So you have his data. When you want to kill him, it becomes easy for you to assassinate him. Mm -hmm. No. Go to where they sell the phones. Get the INIs before they become people's phones. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Yeah. Before they become people's phones. Get those IMEIs. He started the process from, from I mean, the new... Tell the people who sell phones. People who deal with phones. I think they should stop disturbing Nigeria. Do we have to fight the horrorism for these guys? Right now, prices of everything is so high. We are battling with even registering and linking. You register and then you have to link it again. Then now come and bring IMEIs. Man, it's just too much. It's just too much. We have to fight for them. We have to do everything for these people. Lord, God, and God. we're not even funded. These people are overfunded. One day God is going to deliver us from our rights. Anyway, oh um, we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you, gentlemen, for this is, this is for a, uh, a great one today. Thank so, you, sir. Um, Thank you, sorry, Harry. I'm sorry for puffing through. No, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You're Please recovering. Get well soon. You're yeah. recuperating from. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us today. Please don't forget to subscribe to Page 36 TV on YouTube and like this video, share it. Please share subscribe. It. Yeah, you guys are doing share a great it. job. See you guys next week.